Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see all of you at the Christmas Eve Eve service. Can we call it Eve Square, or is that like minus two? I don't know. But we thought this year we'd do something a little different, and we, since Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is coming on such a, you know, in the middle of the week kind of thing, we would just give everybody a break on Sunday mornings, and then we would gather Sunday evenings, and then we'll have two services tomorrow night as well. And so I'm so glad you came out. What I'd like for us to do is, is kind of a tradition here that we're building is we read Scripture together on Sunday mornings, and, uh, and that way you can say you read the Bible today, which is a good thing. And so I want to put the scripture, the story of the birth of Christ up. And could we all, it's, it's not that long, could we read this together since this is the time of the year when we celebrate the coming of Christ. And uh, let's, let's read it and let it sink in. And uh, let's don't move too quickly. Are you ready? Here we go. In those days... This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went to the town of Nazareth. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in arms, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great army of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Lord, thank you for your word. And most of all, thank you that the word became life in Jesus Christ and came and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Lord, we celebrate that tonight, the coming of your son, coming to earth as a baby, as a child, you coming to earth, Lord. We ask that you breathe life on your word tonight, the story that we just read. Lord, I pray you help me as I pray every Sunday morning in my own weakness, Lord, in that you, through your presence, through the Holy Spirit, you would teach us, show us who you are. Lord, show us your great love for us and for this world that you died for. And Holy Spirit, you're the presence of God. You're, without you, we have nothing. And we pray tonight that you would be known and that we would recognize your presence in this place. That would you come and dwell among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's a, a pretty, a pretty wonderful start to life when an angel comes down and announces uh, that something radical is, is about to happen. And it goes from the shepherds, which were what we would call our everyday working person, out there just getting their job done. And most of you probably know the story that it not only ends with them knowing about it, but these wise astrologers from way off, these uh, wealthy rulers in the part of Persia, they make their way eventually to Jesus too because they've heard the great announcement. And, you know, when my first son was born, uh, my wife's sister was there and a kid that I taught clarinet to. That was it, you know. And... Uh, and so this, you know, something very special is happening in this story. And, you know, for God to come down from, from I mean, from heaven. And we're in this series. And if you haven't picked up one of these booklets, Humble King, next Sunday will be our last in this series as we close the year out. Uh, but this is the Humble King of heaven tonight. And, uh, you know, for, to meditate on and consider or just think about almighty God, creator of everything, coming down to earth and limiting himself in the form of a frail baby. I mean, think about, uh, I put up on my Facebook, my Pastor Tim Facebook page this, this last week, I said, tell me some things that are hard to put back in a container once they get out. And some of you guys wrote things like toothpaste. You know, like, how do you get that back? I mean, uh, somebody said a baby. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when someone very wonderfully said and sensitively said unkind words, like once they're out, they're very hard to take back. You put back an egg back in its shell, you know. And this was my favorite one, Christmas lights. <laughs> how many of you guys just grab them up? at the end of Christmas, and you just like find a place in your garage or somewhere because they're not going back in that little, I don't know how they do it. I honestly don't know how they do it. They're not going back in there, you know, and so I thought that was my favorite. Silly string, someone said, getting it back in a can. Canned biscuits back in the, the twirly things, you know, and then milk in a cow. I thought that was really uh, very creative for someone to say, yeah, you don't get the milk back in the cow, and I know it's no comparison, but but it just got me thinking and caused me to just be amazed at just the even concept or the thought. And think about the flow of God and that God looks down on his creation and he goes, I've got to rescue them. And so Jesus, you know, existed for all time. He's 
he's the son of God. He's been there forever. And he wasn't known as Jesus because he got that name, and that was a name, a normal name, an everyday name that any human being would have during that period of time. So God saw that he had a name, too, so that he would be associated with us. That he came to earth as a baby. He came to earth as, you know, Jesus, the regular name for the regular guy during that period of time. But he was with God forever. He was God forever. He's been among the angels for eternity. All that vastness. And then all of a sudden, and I mean, they've known it. Jesus knew it forever that one day would come when he would be sent. And the Father would look and they would look and the Holy Spirit would prepare and say, now's the time. Now's the time to come to earth. Imagine the, the grandiose presence of God in all of heaven and the angels. Think about this. The angels knew this was coming. But for eternity, they never got the word until now. No wonder they showed up and went, this is a big deal, shepherds. You know, this is a big deal, mom and dad. This is a big deal. That's the reason the choir shows up. Because for all of eternity, they had been waiting. They'd been there in heaven, and now it's happening. Here comes Jesus down from, you know, he's God Almighty down to this frail baby. And that humility of God, the power of the humility of God to come down, to be able to, be, to relate and to be a part of us, to come in that frail package is just an amazing thing. So he comes down, and he, he begins to grow, and he becomes a man. Jesus does a human you know, fully man, fully God, and, and he begins to do the work of the kingdom, and people get healed, and people are touched, and people are forgiven, and he begins to show how great God is in his life, and then all of a sudden he is snuffed out. His life is taken from him, and now he's reduced again. So it gets down to this small package. He comes up in glory all of a sudden, and then he's pushed down again, and then what happens? Easter, back up again. That whole, I just, in my journal, I just started sketching down, out, down, out. And every time he came down, the humility of God and the love of God for us to be able to do that, I don't know. I mean, that is just an amazing thing. And um, in, if you have your booklet with you tonight, and there's some outside if you don't, you know that in this section, in this section of uh, the king, he's the humble king of heaven, that one of the things that, it mentions this, heaven is a place for the humble. It's the place for the humble as Jesus gave us an example. And that flies in the face of everything we, you know, we experience in life pretty much so. Because it seems like the humble get nowhere <laughs> in life, but they get everywhere in the kingdom. When Jesus is the example of who owns heaven in his life. Philippians 2, verses 7 through 8 say, says, Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Not just any death. Even death on the cross. And as we've learned here in the church, we've learned that, that the whole talk of the cross was the most shameful death of all. It wasn't just a death. It wasn't just execution. It was the most shameful death anyone could ever experience during that period of time. Humility, 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 the power of God. You know, every time you in your life, at, at some moments in your life uh, where you feel less than in this world. Anybody feel like that occasionally? Like I'm, I'm less than? That's, that's a, 
That's a tough feeling at times. Anytime we feel that we're less than, that we don't measure up, that there's no place for us in God's heaven, we need to remember this about God and about Jesus and how he came and the humility that is expressed in his life and how he humbled himself and yet he reigns on high now. He humbled himself to come. I mean, was Jesus any less God when he got down on his knees to wash the disciples' feet? Was it like, dial it back, God? Was he dialing it back, or is that who he is? I mean, was that hard for him to be that way? Was it hard for him to act that way? That was who he was. That's who he is. He is the humble king. He was fully expressing who he was in that moment. Was he any less, I mean, powerful when he went to the cross? He could have called thousands upon thousands of angels to come and rescue him, but he didn't. Was he any less powerful at that moment at all when he humbled himself? Or was that an expression of power and that humility? I mean, it's just this tomorrow night and on Christmas Day, as we think and as we gather with our loved ones and friends and family. Let's remember the love of God and the humility of God expressed in Christ. I mean, I don't know who said this, but this just, I've kept this in the back of my mind for years, and that is, how empty does the grave have to be for us to believe? You know, how empty does it have to be? And for us to believe there is a place for us, for the humble in heaven. Your second one there is in the uh, brochure or in the pamphlet is that heaven is a place for the weak you think like there's not much more fragile than a baby right i mean a baby is dependent totally upon the adults around them somebody to protect them somebody to be there for them and yet god comes to earth as a baby weak not strong but totally dependent upon the ones he came to save the ones he came to die for amazing from the very beginning, though we see in the part of the story that we just read, we see everyone rejoicing and the angels saying, oh man, this is what we've been waiting on forever. You people need to rejoice. Something very special is happening. What happened from the very beginning of Jesus' birth? He's hunted down to be killed. This weak baby, this baby dependent upon Joseph and Mary and the kindness of others, Herod is hunting him down from the very beginning. And he has to leave. That family has to leave, become immigrants, to go to another country, to get away and to come back in order for him to live his life and to fulfill what he'd been called to do. I mean, at times when we feel powerless, like we feel we have no voice, we, nobody really cares whether we exist or not, think back to the baby. Think back to Christ and how he's changed the world. Isn't it amazing that for over 2,000 years... Billions of people gather to worship that baby and what he's done. Isn't that just an amazing thing? That humility in God to come as a child. You know, uh, I have a I meet with a small group with Doug Dorman and a, uh, who's part of our church and missionary and here and we we meet with some other uh, pastors and we this past week when we were meeting or either the week before Doug made the comment that. He said, did you ever notice that in the New Testament that Jesus goes after his disciples? They don't actually come to him. That none of them were really looking for Jesus. Jesus goes and finds them. I mean, because these guys, 
these people were not the super strong people out there. They was the, I mean, Jesus had to go get them. So the minute you think you don't have anything to offer and you're weak, and you, hey, he's here. He's here for you. Jesus comes after us. I mean, he's there for the weak morally. You think about the woman at the well, five times married, living with the sixth one, right? And the seventh man in her life is who? Jesus. He goes to her. I must go through Samaria. For the morally weak, Jesus comes. For the personality challenged. And by that, I mean people like Peter that we read about in the the scripture. Peter is very impetuous, right? He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. He's always getting ahead. He's always assuming, presuming things and getting himself in trouble and trying to get himself out. And always, but Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to turn you into a great apostle. You know, he went to him in his weakness and called him to follow. The weak that are egotistical in their religiosity. Yes, Jesus loves you. Paul. Paul on his way to persecute the Christians, to kill them. What does Jesus do? Comes to him. Paul wasn't seeking Jesus. Do knew. But Jesus comes to him. It's in our weakness that God is strong in our lives. It's in our place, in our places of life where we are, where we don't think we have enough is when Jesus is more than enough. In that moment. That's the part of Christmas I love. And I love to think about. Thirdly, he says, heaven is a place for the helpless. And we get it mixed up so many times. I mean, the woman that was caught in adultery that was brought to Jesus, she was helpless. In so many ways. You know that's in the Bible, right? That is in there. That's, that's this true story. It's in there. And then they brought this woman. They were going to kill her. And you know what? She was guilty by the law. She was guilty by the guys. I mean, they had decided they were going to kill her, stone her. The law supported that. But then Jesus steps in. In her weakness, and was she, was she weak? Was she helpless? Yes. Was she guilty? Yes. Did Jesus come to her? Yes. You see, it's when we're helpless and when we're weak that the smallness of God becomes the greatness of our salvation. Then that baby coming, God is shouting to us and saying to us, in, my, in the humility of that moment, I will rescue you. In those weak moments, in those helpless times. Matthew 9, 10 through 13 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. How did they know they were sinners? I always wonder. You know, who gets to designate who's a sinner? Because that's a sinner. You know, I mean, who gets to do that? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I picked up a small book yesterday morning by a theologian named N.T. Wright. It's on Paul. He's written like three different books on Paul. One's like a huge volume, one's a little one, and one's in between. So I decided I'd start with the little one. 
And, uh, and as I'm reading through the first part of it, he says something that just, it was so beautiful. He said that God has a responsibility to his creation. He loves his creation. And he's responsible for it. And I don't know why that struck me, but it hit me with this message as well. And that God loves this world and he loves you and the people of it so much that he finally said, you know what, it's time. Let's go redeem what I created. And that's what he does in Christ. And you know, he's here right now. He's with you wherever you are. I know the Christmas season is a very tough time. But this humble king has come to change your life. He's come to reconcile you to your creator. And he's come to give you new life in him. I don't, the only way I knew to end this, this sermon tonight was for us to sing the song that it is based on. And we've done this once during this series. And I want to do it again if I can get the strap on. And um, so would you guys stand with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, some of us have lost loved ones over the last year. Maybe over the last few years. My dad's here. My brother's here tonight and seven years ago two days ago we lost my mom and uh, so maybe you know you've lost someone you love or someone you love is hurting tonight I want you to know he is a beautiful savior he is a comfort in time of need he sees us and he doesn't wait for us to get to him he comes to us because that's who he is the humble king so I'm going to take a few seconds in memory of our loved ones. And then that one small light that started with a baby in a manger and has grown through more than 2,000 years now to encompass a blazing fury of love across the world. We're going to light our candles in declaration to the light that lives within all of us and is indeed that humble king. So, Lord, we remember tonight and we give thanks for those in our lives whom we miss tonight. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.